The Golden Mike Podcast is presented by SeaDeck Marine Products. Find out about all of SeaDeck's amazing standard and customizable applications online at www.seadeck.com. That's S-E-A-D-E-K.com. And now, it's showtime. Recognized as the official voice of Toad Water Sports for over a decade. His vocal tones have narrated the industry's biggest and most prestigious events in the world. With over 25 years of on-water experience, captivating charisma, and a command of his audience. Presented by Sea Deck Marine Products. It's the Golden Mike Podcast. With the noise of the North himself, oh, yeah. Dano the Mano. Thanks for tuning in to the Golden Mike Podcast, everybody. I'm the Noise of the North, Dan Mano. I'm not coming at you from Orlando, Florida. I am recording this portion of today's episode from my hotel room in Atlanta, Georgia, just a few days after the 2016 Nautique Masters. Regardless, it's now time for some audio sunshine. Today's episode is brought to you in part by C4 Belts. C4 belts are made of premium TPE thermoplastic, waterproof, and backed by a lifetime guarantee. Available in multiple colors and designs, C4 allows you to mix and match straps and buckles to create your own unique color combinations. C4 also gives back off the water. A portion of every C4 belt sale goes to some amazing charity efforts. You guys can find out more online today at c4belts.com. Use promo code MANO2016 at checkout for 10% off your purchase. Again, that's promo code MANO2016 at c4belts.com. C4 Belts, choose your color, choose your cause. Also, a big hello to the crew at Hyperlight, Wakeboards, and Greg Nelson, and I want to thank them for their continued support of the Golden Mike Podcast. So as I mentioned moments ago, I'm in Atlanta right now. I've been traveling around event to event. We just finished the Masters, and since the last episode, I've been super busy going back to back on these weekends. I had the Performance Ski and Surf Gravel Tour in Orlando. I recorded some audio from that. You guys will get to hear that over the next couple of episodes. But I want to talk a little bit about the Nautique Masters. It was the 57th annual Masters. It was my 13th year on site, my 11th year announcing the event. And I was lucky enough to be able to announce the wakeboard portion with my guest today, Sean Murray. And I'll talk about Sean here in just a few moments. The Masters, it's a toad water sports contest and the most prestigious event of them all. It's the hardest event to get the invite to. It's got water skiing, it's got slalom skiing, jumping, trick skiing, wakeboarding and wake skating. It's got the best athletes from all around the world. I also had the opportunity to record a live episode of the Golden Mike podcast. We did that over at the Fox Bus. I had some skiers. I had Erica Lang, who's a crossover athlete, does the wakeboarding and the trick skiing. I had a couple of jumpers, Igor Morozov and Ryan Dodd, a couple of Fox riders out there. I had... Bob Sovin. It was just a good time all in all, and I hope that you guys listen to that when it releases uh, probably this July. All right, on to today's guest. He is the one and only living legend, the House of Style, Sean Murray. He's a gentleman you guys have been asking for for a long, long time. Well, I caught up with Sean 
just before the Masters at the Orlando Water Sports Complex. He's a busy, busy man between doing his wakeboard lessons and, of course, the American Ninja Warrior and, and just everything that Sean does and his family and everything. We sat down. We had a great conversation. We talked about his days before becoming a professional wakeboarder. We talked about the early days. We talked about today. We talked about all kinds of fun stuff. We played some music. We had some fun. I almost guarantee that you guys are going to love this one. All right, before we get into it, the Golden Mike Podcast is brought to you free twice monthly and is always available online at noiseofthenorth.com. To keep this podcast no charge to you, the listener, I'd like to thank the sponsors of the show, SeaDeck, Marine Products, Performance Ski and Surf, Woodrow, Sustainable Optics, Boulder Boats, GoPuck, Hungry Boards, SUP, Rockstar Energy, and C4 Belts. Follow me, tag me, tweet me on social media, Instagram at Dano T. Mano, on Twitter at the Dano T. Mano, and at the Golden underscore Mike, and be sure to like the Golden Mike podcast on Facebook. You guys can always reach me through email, goldenmike at noiseofthenorth.com, or once again, go back to that Facebook page and send me a message. Well, guys, you already heard the live episode from Cable Stock. That was the last episode. But I also walked around the event and I had the opportunity to get some audio bites from many, many, many of those athletes. I'm going to give you guys the opportunity to listen to it right here, right now, guys. And then I'll be right back with Sean Murray. So first things first, have a listen to this week's audio montage. I'm Blake Borwald. Justin Kiefer here. I'm Brady Patry. I'm Courage Criddle. I'm Thomas Elwood. This is Rob Mendietta with Empire Wake. Hey, I'm Rob Knapp. I'm Tyler Summer. Josh Wright here. Hey, guys. I'm Caden Vogus. I'm Jack Dorenstein. Hey, this is Kyle Reed. I'm Rocky Steiners. I'm Kelby Hebner. We're out at the Texas Gear Ranch for the 15th Annual Cable Stock. Aaron Freedom Reed. Man, Cable Stock couldn't miss it. It's my 10th year at Cable Stock. It's the 15th year of Cable Stock. Brett Little. Nobody's wearing much clothes. People are going big on the water and it's just a good time, brother. Chad Forrest. Great to be back out here, see what Paul's done with this place. The place has grown up so much. They got a little bit of everything for anybody and just a beautiful park. Colin G. It's a beautiful thing. We're all stoked to be hanging out and having fun, and we're going to jam out. I mean, that's all there is to it. <laughs> Donald Shelbrick. It's got everything for everybody. I mean, it's got skateboarding. It's got that relaxed vibe. Jimmy LaRich. Amazing. The riding is absolutely epic. The ladies are beautiful, more beautiful than ever. And I'm just having a real good time. The owner of Boardco, which happens to be the pro shop inside the Texas Ski Ranch, Mr. Troy Man. It was awesome. Um, nice event, more people. It was kind of a reunion for TSR this year, so a lot of their old employees came back this year. Um, and, and it's been great. There's been a ton of people here. They got a big concert going tonight. It'll be awesome. I'm with the owner of the Texas Ski Ranch, Mr. Paul Vialk. Paul, 15 years and still running strong. What has helped keep cable stock uh, as, as one of the staple cable events in the States? Man, it is just unbelievable. It really is the outstanding family that does it. What's your uh, most outstanding cable stock memory? Well, it's funny because we're bringing back the two bands that were the best over the last 15 years. That is Mickey Avalon and Shwayze. Both of them brought in approximately 2,000 people. It was crazy. Uh, is, this, is this year going to be the biggest party ever? I certainly hope so. We'll, si we'll find out tonight. Paul, I want to thank you very much. Thank you very much. 
I'm standing here with JD Webb, who took a win in the boat event here at Cable Stock. The guys at TSR, Blake Hess, all those guys really kick, kick ass to put on a great event. And uh, stoked to come back and really be a part of it. And uh, after the 15 years that they've been doing it, bigger and better than ever. And uh, stoked to be here and enjoying myself. Shane Bonifay, a podium in features only and a win in that big air kicker contest this weekend at Cable Stock, man. You're the oldest competitor out there. It's got to feel amazing. Uh, it does feel amazing. And you also forgot my podium on boat, too. So two podiums and a best trick. I am stoked. King of the cable, Tom Fouché, 2016, the 15th annual Cable Stock, man. And you took the win once again, features only and traditional cable. Uh, 15 years causes a lot of gray hairs on this body, but no, this is probably the most special, man, because, you know, these kids push me harder and harder, but not only that, we got JD, Shane, Jimmy, I mean, we got everybody here, so uh, to be able to perform against underneath those guys, it doesn't get any better than that. Hey, what's up, Golden Mike Podcast listeners? This June, do I have a treat for you. We're giving away some awesome prizes courtesy of our even more awesome sponsors. It's the Golden Mike Podcast June Swag Stravaganza. Swag stuff we all get giveaway. Here's how it works, guys. Visit C4Belts.com and pick your favorite belt strap color and buckle combination. Then go to Woodrow's.com. Pick out your favorite pair of Woodrow Sustainable Optics. From there, head over to GoPuck.com. Pick out the GoPuck model that would really charge your lifestyle. Then email me at GoldenMikeNoiseInTheNorth.com with your three choices. One lucky listener is going to receive their C4 belt of choice. Another lucky listener will take their desired pair of Woodrow's. And another lucky listener will win a GoPuck. And one even more lucky listener will get all three of their personal picks. All entries must be in by midnight on July 4th, 2016. And I'll announce the winner of the June Swag Stravaganza on the July 6th episode of the Golden Mike Podcast. Once again, visit C4Belts.com, Woodrow's.com, GoPuck.com. Pick out your favorite swag. Send me an email, goldenmike at noiseofthenorth.com, and I'm going to pick a lucky, lucky, lucky winner. All right, guys, before we get into today's guest, Sean Murray, I want to talk a little bit about my friends over at Sea Deck Marine Products. Had the opportunity to hang out with Jason Gardner and the entire crew from Sea Deck over the weekend at the Masters, and they've got some amazing things happening. First of all, Sea Deck is made right here in the USA. It's made down by the beach in Florida, just outside of Cocoa Beach. Now, if you guys have that used boat, Sea Deck has hundreds and hundreds of standard patterns for tons of boats, from inboards to V drives to any kind of pleasure boat that you could think of. If you're looking for something a little bit more custom, Sea Deck has you covered. Find out more online at SeaDeck.com. Whether you're looking for new flooring or decking, whether you want to regrip your wake skate, your wake surfer, or even a stand-up paddleboard, Sea Deck has what you need. Check them out online. It's S-E-A-D-E-K.com. My friends over there at Sea Deck.com. Sea Deck Marine Products. All right, all right, it's that time. Let's get at it. Here it is, guys. My interview with the living legend, the House of Style himself, Mr. Sean Murray. Presented by Sea Deck Marine Products, it's the Golden Mike Podcast with the noise of the North, Dano the Mano. 
here he is, ladies and gentlemen, the man that so many of you have been asking for for so long, the living legend, the house of... I call so many of you guys living legends, but you are. No, that just makes me uncomfortable. Okay, the house of style, how does that make you feel? Uh, weird. <laughs> but it's true. Like Cindy Crawford. Was that Cindy Crawford MTV? I, I from what I know, that was, from what I understand, it was you, Sean. No, but it's because it came from an MTV show, I think. Well, let's do this thing. Sean Murray. Now we're here, man. We are. You know, I, I thought I was on my way over to the Marriott this morning. Yeah, we had a call in Audible. We had uh, lessons go a little bit longer here at Odub today. So, Dano, I appreciate you meeting me here uh, on the dock, G23 in the background. Yes. Too bad this is an audio podcast, so people are not going to have the opportunity to see the G in action. Hopefully, maybe at some point, they'll be able to hear it in It's kind of like, imagine a unicorn riding a tank with... A tambourine in one hoof and a bazooka on the other shoulder. That's a G23. Except for only one difference. That would never happen. The G23 has happened. It is here. It's beautiful, man. Looking good. Beautiful day here in Orlando. And it's it's been a a semi-nice winter. I know I've been trying to link up with you for for quite some time here. And it's all right. Our schedules haven't quite meshed up. We're here, man. We're here. And now. Yeah. So what have you been up to, man? What's what's the winter of, of, of 2015, 2016, spring 2016? What have you been up to? So let's see. I've got uh, a few different irons in the fire. Of course, being a dad of three, that's that's number one. A uh, lot, of, lot of kids at home. I got three daughters, seven years old, six, and about one and a half. Um, after you've had, like, the third kid, people are like, how old your kid? When their first kid, they're, they're like, how old your kid? You're like, oh, he's 27 and a half months. No, at that point, they're two. And when you get to the third kid, they're like, how old are they? They're either like one or almost two. Or like you just really round the numbers a lot more after number three. Yeah, how is it? I mean, I, I know you are a man who keeps himself young, but with those kids, are you, are you kind of Benjamin Buttoning here? <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I definitely like to play. Uh, and so my kids enjoy it. Uh, we do what's called the mechanical bowl. A lot of times they got to put pretend quarters in my hands and while I'm laying on the ground and I buck them off my back. And so I want to stay fit so that when the kids ask to do that kind of stuff, I'm not like, no, I don't want to do that. Or I can't be the guy who gets off the couch. Get out there. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I got to come over by your house. I was, I was actually hoping that we, this was going to be at the Marriott because I wanted to get on your, your Ninja Warrior setup, man. That thing let's looks do, let's insane. Let's still do it. Let's still, we'll do it. We'll we will. Do it. We will. But, I'm, you know, I'm heading out of town. I've got trips right, every we'll weekend. There. I'm we'll just like you. But I just found out that uh, this Memorial Day, uh, the Masters, you and wow. I. Yeah. yeah. Stars on the water. Yes. And I've been asking for a long, long time. I've been like, please put somebody with me up there so I don't just have to regurgitate words straight up without taking a breath for an hour straight hey, you know? and, and not only that but just to have fun yeah it'll be you a little know? bit more fun so what's, Wait, what's the, a little bit more fun a lot more fun thank you with, and i think you and i actually have announced some masters together yeah just just dabbled dabbled, dabbled in it We've so dabbled. are you gonna do the water skiing too i don't think so are you yeah oh really oh yeah oh you're going 100 this is like my this is like my 11th year yeah. announcing the Masters. i don't think they'd let me do the water skiing i totally respect it i grew up water skiing but um oh yeah, yeah. And, and oh yeah and we will get to that but here's what i gotta ask you are you going to be announcing the runs riding behind the G23 next to whoever the competitor is out there during the event. Why not? That would be a great idea, wouldn't you know, it? Honestly, or I could be in a tube, like getting footage. Guys, this is Sean Murray out here getting ready to announce. Holy smokes, it's another 
perfect scoring 100 point run from Harley Clifford. Right. You think that'll happen again? Possibly. That was insane. I mean, the kid's on fire, but I tell you what, right now, Dowdy is on his heels and Corey Tunison is pushing him. So, like any of those guys right now, Rusty's on his game all the time. The Masters is going to be good this year. I mean, all the events this year are going to be good, but yeah. there's just something about the Masters, right? Yeah. I don't. I mean, you've rode it. What well, is it? honestly, the, the conditions there are pretty ideal. Um, the the wake is just gigantic. Of, of course, anything pulled by the G, you're going to see some insane runs. But then you get in the deep water at Robin Lake, and the wake is huge there. Like it's really big. Hopefully, I'll get my chance out on the water there too, Dano, for a little uh, yeah. demo, demo run. That'd be nice. I heard you're going to be demoing the HO Rad. Uh, I might, I might give that a little bit of a spin, yeah. pun intended. Oh yeah, good one, good one, Mur. Thanks. This kind of reminds me of the Mur show, right? Yeah. Man, I missed that. Dude, why don't we do it again? I know. I honestly, honestly. But back in the day when we did that, it was like the the equipment was so much different. It was so hard to yeah. get a, a live video up. It would take me two hours to set up and an hour to take down. And basically, all I would ever do on the on the uh, podcast was Ruck would always back you up. You'd be like, "Ha ha, yeah, that's right, Mur." And then I'd be like, sitting in the side, just like, "Yeah, Ruck, yeah, <laughs> good one, yeah." You know, that Love was it. good. Yeah, so that that was the Mur show, and we would go live back when getting live shows was a little bit more difficult. Yes, well, but we did it. Well, you know, I'm willing to come over and do whatever it takes you, to you make know that who, happen. You know who? You know who really? It was uh, Maurice Stoke with Stoke yeah. Meter. Stoke that Meter was, was cool. That was a guy who really fired us up for that. Stoke Meter is kind of one of the reasons why I do this right here because I, I always thought Stoke Meter was cool, but what it missed was a mediator. That's what Stoke Meter was always missing because you'd always have, you know, no offense, you know, Megan Ethel, she's awesome, but when she's like 13 years old doing Stoke Meter, she'd just be sitting there going, uh, what am I supposed to say? Wait, what? Right. What? She's gotten better. <laughs> She's so much better. She was a guest on the podcast, and she crushed it. Awesome. Super popular right, show. set the bar high. All right, Let's, I'll tighten up. I'll tighten up. Tighten up, Mur. Let's do this thing. Let's get into it right now, all right? I thought we were. Well, we're going we're gonna to get into the nitty-gritty. Deeper? Yeah, we're going to get okay. deeper. Barbara right. Walters, make me cry. I don't know if, I don't know if we're going to get emotional on this Whatever. one. Let's hope not. But what were some of your earliest uh, memories behind the boat? So I actually started on the snow when I was really young. Before they would make harnesses for kids on the snow, um, my dad would just kind of rig up this rope around my body and he would steer me down the run. I, I remember, think that was called a leash. Yeah, basically. Uh, I started snow skiing at about two and a half. Then I grew up gymnastics, skateboarding, baseball, in scouts. Um, and when we were in Southern California, uh, my dad bought a boat and it came with water skis. And so we would go down to visit family just an hour south down in San Diego. and we would go water ski in the San Diego Bay. And we would also go to Carlsbad Lagoon. And uh, pretty still like a well-known place for wakeboarding. And it was the same day that we had just gotten a kneeboard. My dad is like very giving, very generous. I'm the middle of three boys and he always provided whatever we wanted to give a shot at. And this is the funny part of like my whole career is that day we were out there, this is like mid eighties. And he had just bought a brand new kneeboard. And when we were there, he, um, he's all excited. He shows this thing, check this out. And like literally five minutes later, a guy goes by standing up on what looked like a stand-up kneeboard. Looking back, it was actually Tony Finn who was kind of like testing out the scurfer at Carlsbad Lagoon, mid eighties. And so five minutes later I go, dad, I want one of those that you can stand up on. I want one of those. And my, my dad looks at me and goes, read my lips. You will never have one of those. 
Sounds like my dad. <laughs> but no, he like it was so out of character for him because he's normally like so giving, but we just kind of backhanded him because like he had just gotten an e-board. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's cool and all, but I want that now. You know, a little kid. And uh, I get it now that I'm a father. <laughs> so, but yeah, he's like, you will never have one of those, let alone, you know, now that's what I get paid to ride for yeah. the last 20 years. Yeah, it's crazy. It's so crazy though that how did you figure out that was Tony Finn out there? Um, just the timeline of the whole thing, because there would not be anybody else out there with the location and the and the the date and time. Um, yeah, and we even talked to Tony about it. We talk about it all the time, and he's like, "Oh, you still bring that up?" He's like, <laughs> "I remember you were that little kid watching me, right?" Right, right, right. <laughs> so, uh, hey, so so moving moving forward, we moved to St. Louis. My dad was an airline pilot for TWA. Their hub was in St. Louis. We moved on to a lake, so it became an everyday after school thing. So my brothers and I, we were kneeboarding, ski boarding, doing all that stuff, watching hot summer nights, um, trying to record those shows that would be on at two in the morning of all the water ski bud pro tours and everything getting our VCR timer working and uh, it was time for her college and I moved from uh, St. Louis down to Florida because I knew there were water ski teams down there and I also um, found out there was a water ski school that I could go work at. Okay, which so, was, so how much are how much are you actually like skiing and how serious are you taking this in St. Louis like skiing wise? Oh, I was just farting around. Can I say that? Yeah, you can say that. You okay. say whatever you want. Oh, <laughs> so yeah, I was just doing it because it was fun. Like I, I had a good time. I wasn't competing or anything. But you were you're watching Hot Summer Nights. Are there guys you're watching, maybe aspiring to to, to yeah. ski like? Okay, so like? I was 15 years old, and I I would see Darren Shapiro, Dean Lavelle, Jeremy Kovac, Jeff here, Mike Weddington, Kobe Mikasic, Zane Schwenk. I could keep going, right? And I would see these guys compete. And one night, I remember my mom saw the show at the same time. She goes, "You could beat those guys," and I was like, "Yeah, right, whatever." You know, like, that's my mom being Brady Bunch, you know, Brady Bunch mom. And so I didn't really think much of it. And uh, so I was just still barefooting a bit. I came down to Florida for the first time uh, to take lessons from Steve Merritt. And, uh, and I remember getting lessons from him. I was probably like 14 years old, learning to back barefoot. And uh, my brother was 17 years old at the time. And I remember him trying to sell Amway to us. And I was like, what is, I don't even get this. <laughs> He's trying to sell it to young kids. That guy's dedicated. He's good, obviously. But uh, so start, came down. Start him early. Right. So I started uh, doing some barefoot lessons down here. And then a buddy of mine, I was, his name is Jeff. And I'm still good friends with him. He lives here in town now. He came down to Florida to take lessons from Darren Shapiro. And I got his number from him and went, ended up staying with Darren. Timeline wise, like uh, so, what are this we is like? when I was 15 years old. I remember because it was my 15th birthday. Uh, because he took me to Denny's because there was a free birthday meal there. <laughs> so, this is like 93 ish. This would be, yeah, like 92, 93, yeah, like 93. And uh, so I, I wanted to go to wakeboard camp. I didn't know what that entailed, but. It was him picking me up from the airport, um, taking me down to his place. I think we were down in like Kissimmee, stayed in his apartment. I, I slept on just a, a pullout couch, and my job was to take out his dog. His little had a little puppy named Scud, and I I was supposed to take the dog out to go to the bathroom, you know, late at night. So can I tried. I stop, can I stop yeah. you there for one this second? This is a funny story. Did yeah. you say the Scud? Yes. Had a dog named the Scud? Yeah. Okay, keep going. Yep. So, so. I'm supposed to take the dog out, go out. The dog wouldn't go to the bathroom. I'm like, just go to the bathroom. Come on. So it wouldn't go to the bathroom. I wake up at like five in the morning and the dog pooped right on the carpet. 
And I'm like, oh my gosh, like now it's my fault and it stinks. And so now I got to go clean this up. And I don't know if I ever told Darren. I cleaned up the dog poo and I, I felt bad. I was like, what do I do? I'm at his house. So I took a couple lessons. When I went down, it was two and a half days of lessons and I wanted to go and learn more flips and I wanted to learn the Rayleigh. At the time I was doing a couple flips and maybe a 360. I spent two and a half days learning how to jump the wake ride. The reason I say that is because it changed how I view the sport. It changed everything about it for me and my understanding of the physics. Because once I got that, things just started happening. And honestly, like that really gave me a leg up and, and, and helped me understand how things should happen on the water. And so I went home and started learning air rolls and this and that and the other. And so 15, 16, 17 years old, I started to spend more time on the wakeboard, but still not thinking I'm ever going to do this as a job. I want to move forward now and, and kind of chat about when you first actually started riding contests and started competing with the pros. Do you, do you remember like what some of your first events were? Yes. Yeah. Um, one that really sticks out was the St. Louis Bud Pro Tour. They had a Pro-Am Challenge. You have like kind of a year? 1995. 94. 94. Summer of 94. I was say you said that with some authority. Yeah. 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 Because the next big one was 95. So summer 94, um, I was working at the Benzel Ski, Benzel Ski Center, which was just sold to An Andy Hansen, which is you know now the World Wakeboard Center. And uh, I heard that you could go compete in the Pro-Am Challenge up there. Um, and so I borrowed a, a new Hyperlite um, to go compete on. And I put these cool little stickers that I got from Performance Ski and Surf. It was this tribal sticker that I cut the tribal part off and I put it on the tip of the board. And there are two things that I remember about, or two stories I can tell that I remember from that. One was before I went to ride, it was early in the morning, and um, I set my board down and I came back and I see Darren Shapiro, who, who pretty much didn't remember me from when he coached me, but that was okay. So my board is sitting next to him and he's peeling the stickers off the tip of the board because those tribal stickers covered Shapiro on the tip of the board. And I came up, I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, you covered up my name, man. And I was like, sorry. You're like, yeah, but you don't remember me, man. <laughs> no, but I, maybe he did. But anyway, um, so I, while I competed there, uh, it was one of the first times that they ever introduced any kind of slider. So they brought out one of those big water weenies, like the inflatable towable rave thing sure. that everybody sits on in Jamaica. And that was the first attempt at a slider, and it became so deflated so fast that people were catching their edge and just face planting. So that got nixed right there. The thing that really sticks out to me, I know I said two, but this is three, is I did a big heel side kind of nose grab shifty, right? Kick my, like front side shifty kind of thing. And Kobe Mikasic said something. I remember later on the dock, he's like, hey, man, he got out of the boat. He was in the boat while I rode for some reason. He got out of the boat. He's like, dude, that shift, he was sick. I remember that. That was like 20 plus years ago. Right. You know, like it just goes to show you, you say one small compliment, it takes you five seconds to get a breath out. You change a person's life and how they feel. If Micker wouldn't have said that to you, maybe you never would have. Micker's played a huge role. Micker right. introduced me to my wife. Um, he uh, he was one of the guys, he and Dean Lavelle were the ones who said, hey, you should take time off school. That's not like a, in an irresponsible way, somewhat, but take time off school. Like, you should really pursue this wakeboard thing. Like, so I, I, re I remember that, what he said, but uh, that was really memorable first contest. And you um, said you got like another one, 95 that? 
kind of sticks out. So, yeah, um, 95 so, well, was, well, yeah. Well, before we get there, so, yeah, 94, yeah. so 94, you start competing maybe just a handful of events that year? Yeah, so 94, I only went to one. Um, and did you, did, you said I, it was a pro-am, so did you qualify into pro? So I did. I was the, the one, the am who made it in. And so I went and rode against the pros were like Gator and Byerly and Darren and Zane and all these guys. And I think I blew it in the first round. Um, you know, I don't know if it was on my scarecrow or my tantrum, but, but, uh, I went back to the ski school that I was working at. I was teaching three event, working on three events so I could go ski three event at college. And when I went back to college, um, it was within like the first month or so of me skiing that my coach called me into the office one day and he goes, Hey, read this rule in here. Check this out. If your trick ski is one third as wide as it is long, it's a trick ski. So we, he goes, bring your wakeboard in here. We measured it and it fully fit. So I was the first one to start riding a wakeboard as a trick ski and really made some people mad. Uh, Namely, some history. Ronnie Barton, Ronnie Bischoff now. Really upset her. She was at Rollins. I was at Florida Southern and uh, I rode the wakeboard all year and was straight up making Was she more angry. mad with that you were, because you were winning or because you were riding a wakeboard and she was a hardcore skier? Like what both. was the beef? Both, both. But it was also like my toe side roll to revert on a trick ski, they land a toe side roll to blind, right? Mine was front side. Why did they ever decide to go that way for that trick? Well, you know, I'm a trick skier myself. I enjoy doing it. Yeah, but that's the crazy landing. Well, I, I say that too every single time. Like, you're making your tricks so much more difficult by taking everything to blind, guys. Seriously. But? Whatever. Whatever. I, so, yeah, I did that. Made him mad. Next year comes around, and uh, I'm still at school, but going down to teach at the, at the ski school. And Eric Perez comes to guest coach. And... He comes out, sees me ride. They, at the same time, had just come out with the Hyperlite bath. And he just had one shipped to him. And he goes, hey, there's a contest down the street called the Master's Challenge at Jack Travers. And this is like 15 minutes away. I'm like, ah, I might as well go. I sign up. Everybody is there. All the heavy hitters. Can I guess why it's called the Master's Challenge? Go for it. Because it's the only way to qualify to the Masters if you aren't already seated in by some crazy correct but this was so early in the masters that they didn't have any pre-qualifications for it so this was the qualifier to the Masters. this was a qualifier i could have been at the masters in 1995 wow didn't not sorry spoiler alert i didn't make it but i did make it through the first round so i'm riding this brand new twin tip board i've been riding an uh, ho pro you know pointed board and then right before i go to this i ride a twin tip and i'm loving it and I also had gone to ride with Kobe and Mike Weddington at Eric Perez's house. And Kobe goes, let your rope out like 15 feet. And here's how you really hit a double up. And I came back to the Masters Challenge and like kind of got noticed there. So Tom James, uh, after I rode the first day, had good seating going into the next day. Tom James catches me before I leave with my dad. And he introduced himself as the editor of Wakeboard Magazine. He goes, you're good you should go follow the pro tour and see what you can do. I told my dad he said that. My dad and I that summer, since I was early, you know, early spring, the Masters Challenge, uh, my dad and I that summer, we traveled around going to the stops and uh, at one of them got Zane Schwenk's business card. Felt pretty cool about that. And then it was Portland of 95 that I made it into the finals and I got like third or fourth place. Um, met 
uh, all the ups from Hyperlight, like Paul O'Brien, Herb O'Brien, Greg Dick, CJ. Uh, so is that kind gosh. of like when you? Was that kind of when you feel like you were kind of when people started taking notice, or at this point people already started taking notice? But that's kind of your breakout moment. That that was um, like people didn't really know who I was at that point. It's such a awesome position to not be known because you have nothing to do other than just like surprise people. After that, after you have success, then it's expectations, and those will eat at you. That's later in the show. So I. I meet all these guys from Hyperlight. The next week, I go up to the Seattle Pro Tour stop. I go to compete. I'm so nervous. I sign a contract with Hyperlight. But the funny thing about my first contract that I signed is they brought me into this dark hotel room, just like a hotel room with the curtains drawn. I remember there were red curtains. It was the Red Roof Inn right near the old factory, or the Redmond Inn. And uh, looking back, I, like I drove by the hotel like three years later. I'm like, why did they have me sign the contract in this hotel room? When the factory is literally a half a mile. Yeah, and I don't even think that I was staying at that hotel. <laughs> Sounds creepy. It was really weird, man. So anyways, I, I signed the contract. I go to the, the tour stop that weekend, and I totally blow it. But you want to remember what, or you want to know what I remember from that weekend? Mind you, I'm the new kid. I just qualified in. Gator is standing on the dock in front of me, getting ready to ride right before me. And the line is tightening up. I don't know why I did this. I don't know what overcame me. But as he, the line's about to go, I, I go, hey, Gator, do you normally ride with your fins backwards like that? And he goes, what? And then just as he hops off, I go, just kidding. And then, <laughs> and then he took off the dock. That's what I remember from that contest. Not, not only that, but also completely blowing it in front of everyone from Hyperlight. But whatever, I already signed the contract. Hey, but more importantly, how did Gator's run go? Um, I think he did okay. I don't remember. Did he hold that against you? I don't think so. He and I are buddies. <laughs> he's buddies with everybody now. Yeah, he's cool, He's man. awesome. Eric's, Eric's a good guy. Definitely one of those guys, Byerly and Gator, were two dudes who I was very intimidated by. Um, and then once I met them, like, man, these guys are just... Yeah, like, super nice. Like, sometimes the guys who come across as, like, the cool, the cool, mysterious guys, they're honestly just quiet, nice guys. Yeah, well, that kind of that kind of leads into what what I want to talk about next, and that's uh, some of your wakeboard movies. And one movie that stands out is Mayday, uh, <laughs> and it's I want to talk about the the Lake Powell section. Yeah, the the part where you go out and you land what is it, heel seven? Yeah. And, oh yeah. And yeah, then yeah. Uh, and Byerly is like done for the day. Yeah. Sees you land this, yeah. and then. He straps on his... So, so Randy Harris goes out. We're in this, like, canal. We had just get, gotten to Lake Powell. Um, we just parked for a, a little bit of filming. Randy Harris goes out and just kills it. You know, young Randy at the time. Um, and I got inspired. I was like, I want to go ride. And so they go and we ride. And I do a heel side seven right in front of the houseboat because that's you, where the double up was driving. Have you been doing sevens at this point? Because this is like right when like nobody, even even for years after that, I mean, it's not like sevens were stocked. Once, yeah, it was once in a while. Like, like especially like m most sevens that anybody was doing, it was a, it was a toe seven. Um, but no back sevens, you know, maybe a switch toe seven, but really like just toe sevens. So... I'm riding and before I do the double up I go by the houseboat and I see Byerly just packing up his board bag and he's and I see him just zip it up and he's getting you know I see him just dragging I don't know why I caught my attention I just saw him on the back putting his board away 
I go by, I go to do the double, I just see him stand there watching. I land the double up. The next time I come by to, to ride by, I see him pulling his board back out. And he was like, I'm going to ride. And then he went out and did a toe seven, like in a really good one off the double. I was like, that is so awesome that just to go and inspire like Scott to be like, I got this and him to go do it. Because at this time, I mean, you're still kind of coming up through the ranks right now. I mean, yeah. you're not, you don't really hold too yeah. much clout, right? right? And honestly, I really wasn't like that liked on the trip. That was one of those trips that like, I can talk about it now. Like they were pretty much saying like, uh, most of the guys were really cool. You know, I got along with Chase Hebner and, um, Barley, he was a nice guy. He was kind of impartial. Um, Igor was awesome. The film guys, Jerry and Artie and Reed, those guys were good. Um, but, but some of the guys were really giving me a hard time, you know? And uh, I just felt just, like a little bit picked on at times. And It had to be a big mix of just personalities, though, at the time, yeah, too. Yeah, it really was. But it was also, like, the birth of the new crew and, like... You know, skiing is lame. You guys are lame. And I was I was on the trip because Hyperlight was like, hey, we want to sponsor a movie. And FLF guys are trying to just make a living doing videos. They're like, okay, bring it along. I didn't know that at the time. I thought it was, hey, they want me to come along the trip. I mean, everything's going to come down to money in some shape or form. So I'm feeling kind of like this tension a little bit. And uh, so here's a little history that most people don't know. Thomas and I, good friends, respect the guy. He did not like me there. Um, he was driving for me somehow one morning, driving double ups. When we were filming on these shows or these videos back in the day, um, we were filming on film because they had video cameras and digital and stuff like that, but film looked good. And to, to get film in the camera, they had to literally make their own dark room in a bag and like it would take a while to change a 100 foot roll of film. And the pressure was on. And so. Um, Thomas is driving me double ups. And at this point, we're really deep into the trip. I just like, I can tell he's just, you know, bothered by me. And so he starts beaking me, telling me like, hey, Murray, why don't you go do a Tweety Bird? Why don't you go do a Bel Air? Hey, how about an egg roll? These are all these air tricks. Like back in the day, I would do tricks without the wake just because I could. Going back to, I could because they were fun. So he starts kind of just chirping me. So I start trying heel side nines because I got a couple sevens in the bag and I'm like, I'm going to try heel side nines. I've never done one. Nobody's ever done one. So I'm trying them. Every time I would fall, he would beak me. He would say, hey, try this. Why don't you try that? Like basically kind of just. So they're filming this. I'm starting to get really mad. Like, like I can only take so much of this guy just beaking me. So I see that they go to change the the role of film and I'm so mad at this point Thomas says something and out of character I say some bad choice words give Thomas a middle finger and say just go boat goes around camera is not up and running because they didn't have time to change the film I go and landed a heel nine give Thomas the finger <laughs> I think I might have given him the finger I mean Byerly would have um, <laughs> but I landed the heel nine Looked over, camera's not rolling. I don't care at this point. And then Thomas was pretty pumped to claim that he drove the drove the double up. The first ever 900? Yeah. So is that when your guys' relationship kind of... No, not really. Switch gears? No, not really. Not it's, really. It's, it always, I always find that it funny, though, because Thomas grew up in that... Uh, Total water ski, water ski family. family, too. So. That may be where some of the... Right. Just too much of it. All right, guys. Quick break in the conversation to talk about my friends at GoPuck. 
GoPuck offers shareable, wearable, portable, and affordable power for your favorite devices on the go. Imagine spending less time charging and more time doing. Well, GoPuck makes that a reality with their all-new GoPuck 6XR equipped with Qualcomm Quick Charge 3.0 technology. Just to give you an idea, the all-new 6XR will roughly charge your iPhone about five times or a GoPro around seven times. That's great news, especially for those who need to capture life as it happens, as fast as it happens. Plus, if your phone is always charged, you'll never miss a Facebook or Instagram post again. The all-new 6XR has a sleek and comfortable design, and with my promo code MANO2016, you'll get 20% off. Check out GoPuck.com, pick out what you want, use my promo code MANO2016 at checkout. You'll get 20% off your entire order. Once again, that's GoPuck.com. Now let's get back to it with the House of Style, Sean Murray. You know, I, I know I know we're uh, cranking out here and we got just a little bit of time left, so keep moving forward here and... Um, I wanna, I wanna ask you, like, who are some of, who are like some of the guys that you really liked riding with the most back, back in the old days? Man, there's been so many people. Like, my house was, was always like, especially in the late '90s when I first bought my house. I'm still in the same house. It would be such a hot spot for so many riders to come and hang out. We call the place the Marriott. People would stay there, live there. Like, I've had, you wanna know the people that have lived in my house? Um, Shannon Best, Andy Lazarus. Um, Chris Bischoff, Kobe Mikasich, Jerry Nunn, Christy Nunn, uh, Andrew Atkinson. Um, gosh, I, I mean, that's just off the top of my head right now. So all these people have like lived at my house and I got married. It was like, all right, everybody out. And now I got a bunch of kids. Um, but people that, that I really have enjoyed riding with, um, Jerry Nunn was always a great guy to have around. Uh, also, Andrew, he was always funny. Um, to this day, I really enjoy riding with Keith Lyman. He's getting back into it. A lot of people actually send me messages, and specifically to ask you. Yeah. Do you think Keith Lyman's going to ever start competing again? Or, or He could. He just came and rode at my house a couple weeks ago and absolutely killed it. Um, for a while, he was kind of struggling with the contest thing because he would ride such a long rope, and one day I just talked him into shortening. And... Uh, and then he went and had good contest results that year. I'm not saying it was me. It was his decision to actually go shorter. Um, but the guy could do it. And more than just ride contests, he makes the sport look like it should. Like, I really enjoy watching Keith ride. Are there, has there ever been, like, a time or, like, a person that started riding with you and you're just like, man, I'm, it's, this just isn't working. It's kind of like a breakup or something. Like, <laughs> you just can't come here and ride anymore. Like, they just ruined the butt, like just the flow of what you guys are doing out there in the boat so much? Um, I, I will not tell anyone they can't come out. If somebody's got like um, an attitude that's like, really? Like, really? Like, you're getting that upset over not landing a trick? I'll have a little bit of a speech and I do the same thing with my students. I'll keep it brief because I know we're tight on time. But what I tell people is that don't put all of your eggs in one trick basket, right? Not only are you out here wakeboarding and all of these things of hanging out with friends and being out in these beautiful lakes and nice boats think of all the other tricks that have gone well even if it's just a couple like this is just a good moment and for you to go oh man the trick is hanging me up even if it's a 180 i don't care if it's a 900 or a 180 people will let that ruin their day and if i ever have those people in my boat i'm like hey let's have a little reality check but i'm not going to tell anybody hey you're not allowed to come here but that attitude 
that's not invited. Yeah, the Murray Way. The Murray Way, man. Good good on you, man. Always staying positive, man. The positive vibration. Uh, otherwise, I just get depressed. Yeah. I, dude, understandable. Hey, man, so, like, in this day and age, there's, there's no question that, you know, action sports in general, not just wakeboarding, but just action sports, surfing, snowboarding, skateboarding, just aren't what they used to be. And, and here inside wakeboarding, I think we're starting to see, you know, some of the riders in, in a tough spot losing contracts, sponsors in a tough spot having to, to let some of these, these riders go. But I want to know, like, like, do you have, like, any advice to, to top names? You know, you're a guy who's been able to sustain for so long. And, you know, even at, what are you, 39, 40? 40, just turned 40 a couple just weeks ago. Just turned 40 years old, dude. And, I, you know, any day of the week, I'm sure there's tons of sponsors who would love to still pick you up right now do you have like advice or, or thoughts on, on kind of the situation and, and maybe what aspiring pros or even current pros like what they need to do you know people who are coming up or even in a position where you're riding professionally I think you always have to remember to hit the reset button on why you ride what's the reason that you're out there are you riding so that somebody else gives you a high five or somebody else gives you a check is that the real reason that you do what you do? That may be a, a means to the end, but don't make it like, don't make it the end. You know, the reason that I get out on the water and do what I do is because I enjoy the feeling personally. Uh, I enjoy coaching because I want to get somebody else that feeling for them. And I have to remind them that like, hey, you're riding for you, not for me. And so it's, it's really important for us to keep the focus on for, for me at least, I'm not telling others, like the reason they first get on a wakeboard that almost anybody gets on a wakeboard is not because they go, I want to make a living at that. Some people may start trying sooner than others, but the reason I start is because it was fun to go do that with my brothers and my friends. And I still like to go do it with my brothers and my friends. So would it be safe to say that if you lost all your sponsors today, you'd still be out wakeboarding? Yeah, I'll still go do it. I, I may not go and ride as hard uh, certain days when, because like sometimes I got to go and do something I don't want because there's a camera's like hey we got to shoot this okay but man I love flying through the air I love gliding across the water I, I, I love the feeling of being out there watching other people progress so yeah like water sports there's no nowhere else really can you have that close of an environment where everybody's hanging out whether it's family or friends everybody's in one area encouraging each other positive atmosphere like it's it's awesome. Well, Mer, you know, looking at your run with Hyperlight, dude, what 20, 21 signatures now? What are we at? Yeah, this the one in, that I just um, came out with was a twentieth pro model. Wow. Twenty seventeen week twenty one. Well, I'm sure they don't expect you to go out and podium at every contest or probably even ride at every contest so what's your what's your role how has your role with hyperlight evolved over well, the years well like i said you know our platform as professional riders is to create products and show how products can work well right and i want to create a product that i'm going to enjoy and that feels good when i use it and i also want because i do a lot of coaching i want it to work from a beginner all the way up to an advanced rider's uh, perspective and I know that sounds like, oh, it's like, you know, this the sales pitch. <laughs> yeah. But I, I really do. I want a board that feels good to me. I've been doing this for a long time. I want it to be as gentle on me as possible, but I want it to be in my rhythm because when I'm out there, I'm going for a flow. Like if you watch me ride out, it's not all about big 
air all the time. Like there's a lot of times I'm just on the water playing around. And so I want my board to do that and I want people to get that. So as far as my role with Hyperlite, it's continuing to create good products that are user friendly for the whole market. Um, as far as boats, I want something that works for me that'll get this gigantic wake. But when I want to take the weight out, I want it to work for me and my kids. I want it to surf. My wife likes to surf. I've been doing a bit more surfing. Um, so it's pretty surreal for me to be in my shoes because like most of us, I was just the kid out on the water, on the lake, having fun with my brothers. And I would see a Nautique go by and think that's really cool. Not one day I'm going to design one of those things but for me to be in that standpoint of where I get to be in those conversations of I think this boat should do this I would like the boat to do this and feel this way it's unreal like it's like living in a it's it's living the dream Dano well Mert I, I'm getting close to the end here um, you know you've been Mert you've done a great job of staying relevant and you proved it again in 2015 by winning the Husky MVP award on the uh, WWA's Wakeboard World Series. And I don't know that you even competed in one single event. I did, I did. I went to, I think, two. You did compete? Okay, so you so you did do a couple. Yeah, I probably made some guys a little frustrated, yeah, but, but whatever. But you know what? The, the event, that contest to become that Husky MVP wasn't necessarily about who was the best contest rider, right? Right. It was It was an exposure event. It was well, maybe a, explain explain to the audience that this was a social media thing you can go ahead yeah well i was gonna say it's a, it was an exposure event uh the husky mvp was was about growing the sport getting more eyes on the sport of, of wakeboarding into towed water sports in general so but not but not just not just the eyes on the sport but just how to encourage people in their daily life on and off the water like how can you give people like uh, courage to step forward or do something outside of themselves not make it about me, 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 because wakeboarding is really me, me, me a lot of times, right? When's my turn? I'm going, I want to work on this, but we got to like, we got to push that away from us sometimes. And so that's what that Husky MVP thing was. And so, yeah, it was awesome. I won a brand new 250 motorcycle. Yeah. It was awesome. Very cool. All right, Mur, um, outside of wakeboarding, you've been, uh, definitely making a name for yourself. Um, is it worldwide or American Ninja Warrior? Is that worldwide? I don't know. I've, I've, I haven't watched it while I was in France, so I don't know. Yeah, well, nationwide for sure. My it does friend. pretty well in the nation. It's an awesome, awesome show. But um, how, did, how did you, how did you kind of get into it? it? You know, honestly, I, I built this thing in my backyard that was something you would compare it to like an adult jungle gym. And so I built this thing that I realized, hey, I could work out on this. Like I want to I want to feel light on my feet. I want to feel monkey strong because when I go to the zoo or where they got monkeys swinging in the jungle, like I love how they can move. It just was so little effort and they can pull themselves around and like they just do it without thinking. I love that. So I told Bob Sovin one day that I was like uh, cuz he was living down at Josh Palmer's house down the street from me and he's like I, I told him I, I want to build this. He's, he's like, let's build it. Bob's always up for fun. So then Josh started helping and got some friends in on it. And we built a pull-up bar that went to another bar. And, and so we kind of evolved into this big course. And over the years, um, I've added things to it. And it was after a few months of working out on it, I was like, I feel stronger than I've ever felt going to the gym. I don't like going to the gym and watching the clock die or moving metal around. I, I, I want to have fun, right? I want to stay fit having fun. And so one night I was sitting there on the couch and I Googled the show. I saw it come up and I'd seen it before. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. And I Googled the show and I saw you could apply. So I applied 
they called me the next day and they're like, you may have a spot on the show. I'm like, no way. Like I can actually do this thing. So, uh, they don't really call you to give you the go ahead until it's like almost the last minute. So either way, I still want to work out and play on my backyard. So I've done it for three years in a row. Um, I did, um, the third year just recently up in Atlanta. Let's say it wasn't as good as the first two years. I kind of blew it down. I don't want to ruin the show. I'm not supposed to say anything. I think it airs like June 3rd. Cool. Well, this comes out after. Oh, perfect. So. Oh, yeah. So you guys saw. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, do you, how much, uh, do you think that that helped gain exposure to wakeboarding at all? I think so. Yeah. Because there, there's times that I'll, I'll go to some of these gyms. They've got like ninja gyms around. And uh, a funny story was I was there with Keith Lyman. He was just swinging around with me and this family recognized me they wanted to get a picture he takes a picture they don't realize Keith Lyman sitting there taking a picture and uh, he goes and uh, snaps a pic family we're all high five and talk for a minute they walk away and as they walk away Keith goes and catches them he goes hey can I ask you do you know him as Sean Murray the wakeboarder or Sean Murray the ninja warrior and they go he wakeboards so I think it's helped wakeboarding um, so it's cool to, to have that angle um, because when I'm at the show, hanging out with those guys or at gyms, they're like, hey, you're the wakeboarder guy. Hey, so what's what, like some part of the process on Ninja Warrior that, that, is, that you maybe you find a little bit wild or crazy that we don't get to see? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's pretty crazy as far as just how the show is filmed. It's not like you think. Um, and they may not want me, want me to say this, but it's not really that big of a secret. They don't start filming until it's dark. If you notice, the show's always when it's dark, right? Each city has a hundred, approximately a hundred uh, ninjas, monkey runners. Um, they have a hundred uh, athletes that go through. If you do the math, it takes anywhere from five to nine minutes per person. At 100 people, that's a lot of time. Sometimes they go faster, um, but that's a lot of time. And they filmed the, the city qualifiers night one and then the city finals night two. So what people don't realize is that most of those people are running well after midnight. The second year I did it, I was going about 2.30 in the morning when I made it up the warped wall in Orlando. And, my and the crowd's there and everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And they're there all night. And it's like they got to... You know, cameras on, ah, they do these fake cheers and stuff, and then sometimes it's for real. That's like showing up at a wakeboard contest at 7.30 a.m. when it opens yeah. and staying for the last rider at 6 p.m. Yeah, on man. qualifying So, day. yeah, they're there for a long time. Uh, the other, So, one, it's really late at night. Um, they make it seem like it's live, and it's not. The other thing is, as a competitor, you don't get to touch any obstacle before it's your turn. You don't get to practice. You don't get to do anything. Like, it's go time. That's it. So you get to watch other people, um, but I'm not overly impressed with how, and hopefully this doesn't get me in trouble, but whatever. I'm not overly impressed how NBC treats the athletes. Like so many of these people like go as far as quitting their jobs, which is crazy in itself, but they've worked their butts off to get there. And then you got like maybe a sidewalk to sit on behind the scenes. There's no like tent or chairs. The snacks, it's like a banana and a thing of granola or like uh, fruit trail mix and some water like I'm like come on NBC like the come on like that's my little shout out step to NBC like step it up to these people like I, I get to go and be treated well at a lot of different events so I'm not gonna like get my undies in a bundle over that but some of these people that's all they ever get and they don't get treated that well so yeah. it's like 
Well, maybe moving into the future, you could be like that guy, the hospitality guy. Oh, yeah, I'll be the hospitality right? attendant, American Ninja Warrior. I'm into it. Uh, um, so as far as um, as far as wakeboard, you know, we're sitting here at OWC and beautiful day here. And when I got here to meet with you, you, you were just getting off the water with some students. Now, I know that you've got kind of two different kinds of students coming through here. You've got um, folks who are who are just kind of coming out just to like, beginner wise. But you also have some students who are like aspiring pros. Yeah, we've got all levels. We've got everyone from that. that I have people out here like, oh, I've. My husband rides, but I don't. I'm like, okay, you're going to ride. I love teaching those people. Um, so I, I really enjoy first-timers, but we also get kids who are getting ready for the contest. You know, so do you have, any, tour runs. Do you have any rippers that, that you think we should watch out for moving into the next year or so? A couple you years? know, I've, I've seen some. Um, you, know, you know who got her start? Or I don't want to say got her start here, but who I noticed, and I pulled her parents aside. I was like, she is good. Jamie Lopina. Right. She came here a few years ago, and I watched her ride, and she just had a few tricks in her bag. Um, but when I watched her ride, I was like, she has got it. And uh, I don't tell, don't pull too many parents aside and say, hey, give this a shot. I told them. Um, and then they've, and then that Lopina family, they, you know, they went on to buy a, a G boat, and she's finally, she's now competing against the pros behind the boat and winning. She's, like she's doing, yeah, well. she's podium. Well, she's she's had some amateur wins, but she's podiumed, and she, I think she's taken some wins in some pro um, wake park events as well. Yeah, so she's all around a great rider. But yeah, we get all sorts of riders here. Um, but I, I love teaching. The biggest thing that I really like to teach, Dan, is not necessarily just a checklist of tricks. We can go through those. But what I like to show people is how to take low risk yet have high reward. Because most people, when they go wakeboarding, they think they have to take high risk to have high reward. So what is the first thing that somebody does when they get up on a wakeboard for the first time? Try Figure a flip. Out, <laughs> yeah, but try to jump the wake, right? As soon as I get up, how do I get outside the wake so I can jump, right? After they jump the wake, then what do they do? Try a flip, right? So what I show people is in between getting up and jumping the wake, there's 30 things you can learn that not only make the foundation, so when you get to the wake jump, that's a low risk trick, but those are 30 fun things you've learned along the way, right? For, so anybody, for anybody who listens to this podcast, this is going to be a t-shirt I make. It's going to have my kind of like uh, my dad's voice. Yeah. Danny. Back to the basics. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, there's something to be said for that. Not only is it a good foundation so you don't get snapped off, it's fun. Remember, the reason you're there is to have fun. So I like to teach people how to have fun by learning how to progress at the right direction, but also how to put less effort into the writing to get more out of it. You know, I saw a, a web edit recently of, I can't remember what his name is, the Asian guy, maybe Japanese guy used to ride for Double Up back in the, back in the old days. Kind of looks like you, except for like the Asian version of you. He used to ride the, the Grom board, but he's an older guy. He talking about Stefan Tran? No, I, I'm not sure. Maybe. I don't, I can't remember exactly who it is. He looked more like Short Round from Indiana Jones. <laughs> no, no, no. Different guy. But, you know, he, he went out there and just, you know, doing butter slides and bunny hops and 180s and bunny hop backside 180s and stuff. It's just, to me, it just looked so much fun. Like fun. You know? Yeah, fun. And, Board control. And that's, and, and I, honestly, that's, that's what it's all about. Murr, any, uh, any more goals competition wise for you? I don't think so. I, I think I like this is the first year I've gone into the year going, I don't think I'm going to compete this year, which is weird. This is my 21st, maybe my 22nd season. I'm okay with not competing, um, but I'm having a good time hosting and, and co-announcing when I'm doing my demos. Um, but yeah, I, 
I feel like I just want to stay focused on having fun when I ride. And right now, that's not competing for me. All right. All right, Mur, um, many moons ago, you, myself, and Eric Ruck uh, hopped in Ruck's van on our way from the Pro Wakeboard Tour. And we did a little uh, Georgia-style tour. And we went to the Masters together. Yeah. You remember that? Yeah, totally. Um, that was a good trip. On that I, trip, I miss Ruck. I don't. I, I'm bummed. I don't get to hang with that he's guy. Still around. I know. He's, he's I still know. Around. I know. It's just business. Well, on this trip, we had a lot of time to hang out and make music. And you, I, I don't really play much. I, I'm dabbling in ukulele. But uh, you and Ruck had your acoustic guitars, and and you'd found out that I ri- had written a song about a tree that I saw in the back of this. Um, a fictitious tree. Well, this tree was actually there, but this tree was as wide as its height right Right. yeah squatty exactly so i wrote this song and you had heard it and you come to like it you liked it a lot and we started putting together some guitar licks with my words yeah and uh, it was a hit on this trip everywhere we go people enjoyed it yeah so i know it's been probably good three four five six seven eight years since we've nine ten nine ten years since we played this song i brought my ukulele out here just in case and i was hoping that maybe you could play a couple of chords and i could sing a couple of the words huh uh we can i i dabbled a little bit before we got going just trying to recall the song um but i'm a little concerned because on the uke just the toning comes across different with the melody so we'll play around a little bit you might have to edit slightly here yeah well hey we'll we'll go for it and we'll give it our we'll give it our best shot so without further ado ladies and gentlemen on the golden mike podcast this is the pineapple tree song Would you look at this tree? Looks almost normal to you and me. Look a little closer and you will see. This is an ordinary tree. It's a P-I-N-E-A-P-P-L-E tree. Pineapple tree, pineapple tree, pineapple tree. Grows on the land. Some may say it tastes better than a can. Take it from me and you will see. It is the most delicious pineapple that you'll ever eat. Pineapple tree, pineapple tree. Most delicious tree that you'll ever see. Pineapple tree, pineapple tree. It's the most delicious tree that you'll ever eat. Uh, yeah, Dano. Pretty good. Pretty improvisational. Love those words. Dude, I love those words. <laughs> we, dude, we got to get back. We got to get the band back together. Seriously, man. Let's do this thing. All right, Mur, I know you got some places to get going. So before I let you go, uh, you want to plug anything else? Some sponsors, some shout outs, some family. Man, I tell you friends. what, um, uh, go to seanmurray.com. S-H-A-U-N-M-U-R-R-A-Y. Check out, uh, I, I got all my sponsor links on there, but what's really fun is you can see like family pics uh some monkey strong pics like my workouts and and uh, of course wakeboarding pics on there and figure out how to follow me on instagram facebook twitter that kind of stuff um or send me a message cool what's uh what's the best way you you read your emails you read your facebook i do messages? yeah i know uh go on to my com and it's an all new website it is all new website but you can hit contact me on there and uh it'll send me an email and it works because and i'll have a robot answer you yeah, you, you, do no, you ever? It's you. No, it's me. It that's, is me. That's cool because that's how eventually, I got you. Eventually, to, it's me. That's how I got you to accept me on Facebook. I don't know how it worked. You had to like change your whole entire page or something like that because when I friend requested you, yeah. it was like three weeks after you got Facebook and you had already hit the max. Sorry about that. That's all right. <laughs> you remember, this has been uh, 
This has been a heck of a good time having Dano, you. Pleasure, man. Yes. Pleasure. Really appreciate what you do, guys. Make sure you give a big shout out to Dano and for his time that he puts into this. Uh, so big thanks, Dano. Thank you. Murr, you want to play us out? Um, yeah, here we go. All right, let's do this thing. All right, guys, I'll be back in just one moment to close out this show. So hang tight for more with me, the noise of the North himself, Daniel Lamano here on the Golden Lake Podcast. Performance Ski and Surf in Orlando, Florida is your one-stop shop for all towed water sports needs. As an industry leader for more than two decades, Performance Ski and Surf's pro staff will sweep you off your feet with loads of industry knowledge and the best customer service in the biz. Right now, you can order online from perfski.com and receive 10% off your entire purchase by using my promo code GOLDENMIKE, all capital letters. Whether you're looking for current or closeout gear, Performance Ski and Surf has it all. And right now with my promo code GoldenMike, you just can't beat the deals. Performance Ski and Surf is just minutes from the Orlando International Airport or online at perfski.com. That's P-E-R-F-S-K-I.com. Woodrose is a sunglass company based in Central Florida that manufactures frames from wood and other sustainable materials. With an infrastructure built on a passion for action sports, life on the water, and the love for the great outdoors, there's no doubt Woodrose handcrafted wooden and sustainable eyewear will fit your lifestyle. Use my promo code MANO30 and you'll get an additional 30% off your entire order. Once again, that's promo code MANO, M-A-N-O-3-0 at woodrose.com for 30% Set off everything. That's W-O-O-D-R-O-Z-E dot com. The Golden Mike Podcast is back with the noise of the North, Dano the Mano, presented by Sea Deck Marine Products. Well, that was a lot of fun sitting down and chatted up with the living legend, the House of Style, Sean Murray. And I hope you guys enjoyed listening to that one just as much as I enjoyed recording. Now, if you guys want to hang with Sean, chill, maybe do some riding, you guys can check out the Orlando Water Sports Complex website and the OWC. Sean does lessons. He's there each and every week. So make sure you check that out. All right, guys. Well, I have a super busy summer. We've already had a ton of events, but if you want to catch up with me, you can do just that. This coming weekend, meet up with me at the Malibu Rider Experience South. We're going to be on Heiko Lake in North Carolina. From there, June 9th through June 12th, I'm off to Portugal for the Nautique European Pro. Then I'm back to the States for stop three of the Performance Ski and Surf Gravel Tour. Fourth of July weekend, we're in Reno, Nevada for the Malibu Boats Sparks Pro. Following weekend, it's going to be Worcester, Massachusetts. That's right. Once again, the Malibu Boats Rider Experience. From there, we've got the National Championships. Those are going to be in Ackworth, Georgia. And then kicking off August with Wake Park Nationals. And we are going to be in Orlando for that one. So some great events. You guys should come on out. Give me a high five and uh, just support the great action on and off the water. If you have any questions, feel free to email me. Golden Mike at noiseofthenorth.com. You can always message me through the Golden Mike Facebook page. As I mentioned once before, I am on social media, Twitter, it's at the Dano T Mano and at the Golden underscore Mike, on Instagram at Dano T Mano, 
And if you guys don't already do so, please, please, please like and share the Golden Mike Podcast Facebook page. I want to thank Sean Murray one more time for sitting down, chatting it up with me, and just having a good old time. A few shout-outs to the sponsors and the folks behind the scenes. Thank you to Deck Marine Products. Performance Ski and Surf, Woodrow Sustainable Optics, Boulder Boats, Go Puck, Hungry Boards, SUP, C4 Belts, Rockstar Energy. I want to thank Jenna Carruth on the website. On the production sides of things, I want to thank Rich Walsh. That's going to do it for today's show. Appreciate you all for tuning in and listening. I'm the Noise of the North, Dan of the Mano, and you all can hear me next time. Once again, on the Golden Mike Podcast. Someone to love us